You're listening to The Lively Show, episode 113. Welcome to The Lively Show. I'm your host, Jess Lively, and this blogcast is designed to uplift, inspire, and add a little extra intention to your everyday. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you so much, as always, for listening. Today's episode is sponsored by PrepDish.com. At the end of this episode, we will be speaking with PrepDish founder, Allison Schaff, about why she started her company, and she has a special offer for Lively Show listeners. So stay tuned for that. Before we get started in today's episode to kick off our guests of 2016, I'm excited to say Life with Intention Online is starting again soon. We will be beginning this February and registration will open in just a few weeks. So to kick it off, we're going to start with two free online workshops teaching you how to set values-based intentions for every area of your life. If you've been listening to the show for any period of time, you've probably heard me drop hints about the class here and there or try to draw parallels to what someone might be saying in an episode to how it relates to the content and approach that I have worked on for 10 years now in my life and in my working coaching to help people transform their approach from what I call the traditional methods of success to really tap into what is most truly deeply important to us and ultimately what will bring us the joy, peace, and fulfillment we're deeply seeking through what other people are trying to help us do kind of through visions, boards, and goal lists, that stuff. Often that is rooted in ego. It is rooted in shiny pennies. What I help us do is tap into a different approach that brings that peace, joy, and fulfillment at every step along the way. This is great for anyone who is feeling kind of burned out from the achievement orientation, people that are super good at goal setting and achieving, but kind of feel like, yeah, but now what? Like, what, There's got to be more to it than that. This is perfect for you or for anyone else who's sitting here going, I know that stuff doesn't work. I know that's all shiny penny stuff. It's not going to make me happy. So I'm not going to try at all, but you kind of end up being bummed out. This is perfect for both types of people. So if you're feeling that way, please check out this intention training. I'm so excited to serve you and work with you in this way. Again, you can sign up for those free workshops at lifewithintentiononline.com slash intention training. I'm so excited to work with you then. And now on to today's show. Today, we are kicking off 2016 with the guest series with Alex Icon of alexiconikonn.com. Alex is amazing. I have had his co-author of The 5-Minute Journal, UJ Ramdas, on the show before because I'm a huge fan of The 5-Minute Journal. And I've had his wife, the famous YouTuber and co-founder with Alex of Luxie Hair on this summer of 2015 as well. Mimi's super inspiring, and Alex's story is just as fascinating as Mimi's. So if you heard Mimi's episode and you thought it was fascinating, get ready, strap your seatbelts on, etc. Alex's story is just unexpected and amazing as Mimi's. It's so awesome to see these two people living in this beautiful way through their vlogging on YouTube and also through their Instagram and other products and businesses as well. In addition, Alex has a new product out to follow up the five-minute journal called the Productivity Planner, which we had set out to start talking about in this episode. We're going to talk about productivity and how you could be so great and productive in 2016, but in getting into his journey and the mindset shifts that took him from almost going to juvenile detention as a 17-year-old Russian immigrant in Canada to 11 years later now being a seven-figure business owner living in London with his beautiful wife traveling the world 
is so incredible. That is such an amazing story that we really focused in instead of on the productivity aspect, what mindset shifts he has made over the last decade and one year to get to where he is today. What made him go from being someone who was kind of rebelling against society to finding such a beautifully inspiring and fulfilling life that really is aligned with his values on so many levels. So I'm so excited to share this story with you guys. This is a huge dose of inspiration, kind of like a Hal Elrod episode from last year in January. I cannot wait to share this with you guys. Let's get to it. Let's go to the show. Alex, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I'm excited to be here. I am so pumped to have you here as my breakfast buddy, as I was telling you before. I love following you and Mimi on your adventures in YouTube at the breakfast table. So thank you for joining us. (laughs) Of course. It's my pleasure. So let's get started. Let's talk about your background. How did you get to where you are? Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Big question. That's a big question. Um, I guess I'll just start with the way I, I really got to where I am today was yeah, being born and raised in Russia in, a, I'll say, a below middle class Russian family, which for American standards will probably be very poor <laughs> American standards. Uh, but regardless, I was really raised with, I think, in a wealthy environment, meaning I was raised with love by my mother, which I'm really grateful for. And coming from that, we immigrated to Canada when I was about nine years old. And we were a kind of family of immigrants. And we got into Canada. And it was a new world. I actually thought I was moving to America, uh, US, because uh, that's what we'd refer to you know, like as North America, meaning America. I'm like, wow, I'm in Canada. What's this flag with a maple leaf? I don't get it. <laughs> It was a really kind of, I guess, tough upbringing overall because for any immigrant family, when they move to a new country, it's more difficult, I'll say, on the parents. And I can only imagine how difficult it was for them. And my parents kind of divorced a year into just moving. So then I was kind of raised by a single mother who left my father because, you know, things were difficult and and hard. I really appreciated her for making that decision to divorce my father. And I think, you know, for a lot of people, they'll look at their same parents' divorces and say, hey, that really impacted me in a negative way. But I'll be honest, I'm really grateful my mother divorced my father because if that wouldn't happen, I probably wouldn't have become the man that I am today. How so? Because it made me become a man at an early age. And it made me really balance myself out in in a way of, you know, to toughen up and to kind of understand that I need to take charge and I had to become in a way my own father figure and we can talk about it after but I really do have a positive spin on most things (laughs) in my (laughs) life so with with that kind of cut to kind of short but uh, that was my upbringing mostly raised by mom she worked factory jobs mostly nights I really didn't see my mom but even in those moments when she was there for me she was fully present and once again, I say uh, that was one of the key lessons for me is that, you know, even though, say, a parent may not be there all the time, for the times that she was with me, she was present. And that, once again, gave me that courage and belief. And anytime she communicated with me, once again, she gave me that wealth of saying, Alex, I believe in you. I, you're going to do great things. So she always encouraged me. And she was always kind of like my number one fan from the start. So that's kind of, uh, but upbringing, a lot of things, of course, happened. My father passed away when I was, you know, around 16, 17. Although we weren't that close, we actually got close before his death. And in a way, it was, it was a great way to know my father and to get to know him more. And once again, even in that moment of grief, I would say, and uh, what happened, 
I always think because a lot of yeah, I had yesterday just last week I was talking to somebody and he was talking about how his wife's uh, mother has passed away, and I was just talking about you know I always frame that time of like I'm grateful to have even had a father for the time that I've had him because a lot of people don't even have fathers for any time of being. So that's kind of like my frame of reference, my kind of that really set me up for my life to be. And the reason I, I talk about all this, I think it's really important because without these experiences, whether it be the hardships of growing up um, with a single mother or not really having parents uh, for that, especially that pivotal teenage point of your life, and being a really, you know, a troublemaker at those times. And if anybody would see me then and look at me now, they would not think it's the same person. I would say I was that kid you would look at and be like, oh, my God, he's so not easy. Whether it be teachers or anybody else, they would not. Like the image that I have now and I, I portray, let's say, or people see or people portray on themselves would not be the image of, of a little you know, teenager with his baggy jeans and baggy shirt and his pants down as listening to hip hop and playing basketball and, you know, drinking 40s and all that. <laughs> Wait, that was you? Yeah, that was me. Uh, so smoking and doing all the bad stuff and being involved even in crime and stuff like that. So that's a lot of stuff that people don't know and that wouldn't tell from our videos or from what we do. But I would say that's probably been one of the, the things that have really shaped me into become the person I am today. Yeah, so what was the turning point that went from baggy jeans and 40s and smoking to being the way you are now, which is very, like you said, you find the optimism in everything and you're always seeking to live your values in a really beautiful way. The reason I mention those things, of, and I think a lot of people can, you know, somebody who's listening right now, maybe, maybe thinking like I had a great upbringing, I had both parents, I lived up and I had great upbringing overall and that's not me. But some people that may be listening can kind of relate to this because when you don't have a good support system, whether it be your friends or your parents or anybody else, you can go either way, right? And there's a great story that I always recall. I think I heard it from Tony Robbins. Um, he referred to his event when he said there was two brothers and they both ended up in a totally different kind of set of lives. One was one brother became very successful and really kind of great family life, successful in every way. And the other turned out to be alcoholic, criminal, everything thing in jail. And what happened, and they asked both of these brothers in their positions, like, what happened? How did you end up to the place that you are now? And the backstory of both of these brothers that they had a father that was really kind of disgruntled, criminal, alcoholic, would do all these bad things. And so these brothers then said the same thing. They said, how else could I become? Did you, have you seen how my father is or was or whatever it is? And the reason I share that story is because those brothers were, saw their situation in a different way. Even though they had the, the same upbringing, they were able to make something of themselves. And the same thing happened for me in a way of when I realized I was, you know, I got into crime. I, I, I remember I was in court. For, you know, I was, so I was under 18. I wouldn't be punished to that extent, but it was a crime. And I was just, I was drinking, smoking, doing all that stuff, all the bad stuff, hanging around with wrong kids. And I myself was the wrong kid. I can't say I can just blame them. I was part of the problem as well. But at one moment, being probably also had this terrible injury, I have a story about it. It's kind of, I have a story, it's called 
overcoming my disability and it's on my youtube channel you can uh, google it and i was also i had a, I had a broken arm that didn't move and it was just i was my father just passed away i was probably like at the lowest of the low think about it father passed away i'm in crime i go to the court like i just bought basically like it's not what a a typical let's say teenager really goes through and I literally had a moment where I just figured out, you know, it's just me, my life to how it's going to turn out, how it's going to be shaped is really based only on me, meaning I'm the only one responsible for my life. I can't blame the education system. I can't blame my mother. I can't blame my father. I can't blame the system or anything. I'm the only one that is able to change this around. And once I had that realization that it's only me, I can't blame God, I can't blame anybody else, and I really took the responsibility for my own life, that's when everything started to change. That's a very powerful statement to have made at 17 without an example to show you that that's possible. How do you think that just came to you? Because I mean, there are people in their 50s that are still blaming their parents for things. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it was uh, <laughs> an epiphany or something or something that hit me. But it was really just a moment of, I think we all have it. I think we all have that voice in our head that tells us and tries to guide us to our kind of truth. And we all have a certain truth within us. And we all have a kind of voice within us. The thing is, we sometimes those voices in our head or thoughts are overpowered by the stuff that has been ingrained in us either by our upbringing, our parents, the media, society. I was just in that moment, I think, just had a spark of awareness to realize that all those things that I may have been or may have seen by society as shaped, let's say, you know, let's say you could have defined me any way that the time, right? You could have defined me as a loser, as a, as a criminal, as a no life or whatever it might be immigrant uh, <laughs> you know but i chose to really at that moment shape and take kind of the, the control of my own life and say i can't blame anybody let's regroup and let me create the life that i want to live and that's really when i started shaping everything that we see now so whether it be from the relationship that i have with mimi my wife or the businesses that we have the way we live our life it didn't happen overnight, <laughs> but I would say that seed was really planted at that low, at the bottom. And I know it's, it's probably like a deep, profound way to start this episode. And you really, because that was a, it was a very open-ended question. And <laughs> I, I took it that way. But I think that once we hit the low, the bottom, that it, and we have the awareness enough to see, okay, I can go lower. And it's actually a great point to be. Or if you if you can go lower, cool, you'll go lower. But you have to have the self-awareness enough. Be like, enough, I'm good. I'm defining this as my low. <laughs> yeah, I'm defining this as my low. Now I want to kind of uh, create a different life for myself because I want to live and ex have a different experience. If you didn't see it modeled for you in your immediate surroundings, what was the spark or what inspired you and to go in the directions that you specifically went in next? Also, I'll say, and the thing is, it's, it's crazy how once you kind of make certain decisions in your life, things start to appear. Like, you know, there's, there's going to be help 
that comes along the way once you make a certain decision. So for me, it was um, my mom was working at a retail store then, so that was one of her like better jobs. And her boss, her manager, was a really great guy. His name was Joseph, and he gave her a set of uh, Tony Robbins Personal Power Two tapes. So she just brought them home one day. I'm like, what is this? She's like, oh, this is, I don't know, my boss gave it to me. He said it will, it's really good and it helped me out. And literally, I started listening to Tony Robbins, like, nonstop. The whole Personal Power 2 program, like, when I was, like, 17 years old. And I literally listened. I remember, I, I, I'm just kind of recalling it now. It's crazy. I'm, it's, it's actually, I'm like, wow. Like, I'm, I'm like, that's crazy. But I literally leave these tapes on while I sleep. You used to listen to it as you fell asleep. No, I would, no, I listened to it like during the day too. But I would also I would leave them on when I go to sleep. I'll leave these tapes on so they would be there. Kind of, <laughs> I guess I was trying to really ingrain that uh, his voice into my subconscious. Kind of that mentality. Tony Robbins was probably one of the first people that showed me, hey, there's a better life possible, and here's how you do it. That makes so much sense, really, if you think about the life that you're living now and the things that you have in it. I can totally see how he, as your anchoring point of what you are you know, setting your compass to, you really have done so much, probably even more than had you focused on a different person with a different set of values. Yeah, so that was kind of really helpful. And that, that was a starting point to just also to the whole self-growth journey of finding different things because before that I never for example felt comfortable with schooling or books or traditional education and I always thought it was a waste of time but once I was kind of discovered Tony Robbins and discovered the whole world world of really you know not even I don't even refer to self-help it's self-growth and kind of different people that show you how they've achieved certain things from their own experience and I was really I guess in a way of yeah, you can say naive or whatever it might be, but I became a, a believer in a way of, hey, if these people can do it and this is the life they live, I can do the same. And really everything we do now for, from the videos we create across all of our channels to everything we do, the reason we do it really is, is because we want to pass on what we've been gifted. We show the way we live our lives now and some people may see, oh, it's too perfect, whatever, but like honestly, it's even better than we, we, we make it seem. <laughs> Really? Are you ever dumbing it down so we don't get too jealous of <laughs> of what you guys are doing? No, I'm kidding. No, no, we do. Like Mimi and I joke. <laughs> uh, so we have, you probably seen our morning routine. And for anybody listening right now, we have this, it, it became one of our popular videos. I think it was close to 2 million hits right now. It's called our morning routine. So morning routine on Mimi's channel. And Mimi and I joke about it. We're like, oh my God, like, oh, that's not a real morning routine. And people are like, what do they mean? I'm like, we actually hug and kiss way more in the morning <laughs> <laughs> uh, than things. So we show even more affection to each other and have even, I'll say, even more fun <laughs> in our morning routine. <laughs> I always kind of, yeah, you did the evening routine too there, Alex. I was thinking there's some pieces we're obviously not needing to know about, but. <laughs> I know, but I would say just in general, like I'll say, and that's the thing, right? A lot of people are uncomfortable when they see something. They're like, to them, it may be like, this is too good to be true. But all I'm saying here is, I was the person, even if these, a lot of these people, whether it be Tony Robbins or somebody else or the people I read, even if they'll be hyping up what they, what they were saying, who cares? I believed in it. It allowed me to now set kind of new horizons for my life and then go out and achieve them. And I did, which is incredible. 
this is actually a perfect segue for me because I actually was going to ask you, you literally have like segued into my next section, which was about the fantasy life, quote unquote, that it feels like when you look at the Instagram or you or Mimi or just the life you guys are having, it looks, I don't want to say perfect because it depends on everyone's own vision of what perfect is. But as you're saying, it obviously started very far, if anything, but that. So you listen to Tony. What are the steps or the rituals that you implemented that really were the stepping stones to making this stuff possible for you? Oh, yeah. I'll say the biggest takeaway that we had from Tony, which led to the other products and businesses, was doing the, I think it was called the gratitude walk. And the whole thing with the gratitude walk was about, he said, you should have, when you wake up in the morning, kind of your morning routine, or as he called it, the power hour or something like that. Uh, but basically, in the morning, you should do something that sets you up for the whole day. And one of the things that he said that was like, go out, do gratitude walk, meaning go out and say the things that you're grateful for that you have and the things that you don't have. But back then when I was single, I'm like, uh, I don't know if I want to go out and talk out loud in the park. People will think I'm crazy. So what I instituted instead was... I said, as soon as I wake up, I'm going to program myself to think the things I'm grateful for. And that's what I did. Instead of doing the the gratitude walk at first, I instituted the whole just gratitude mentality as soon as I woke up. It took time. It probably took me like six months to get in the habit of it because not all mornings I would do it. But I then, for example, was able to reframe my mind. And when I would wake up, I'd be like, oh my God, this is so amazing. I'm awake. I'm grateful for this day. I'm grateful for my body. So excited. And then, of course, I don't know if Mimi probably might have talked about this on your episode. When Mimi and I started dating, that is when we actually started doing gratitude walks together because I felt it was a little less weird. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but beyond before that, I would still sometimes go out for a gratitude walk. Just, I just say it kind of in my head. But I think it's really effective when you actually go out and say it out loud. So me and Mimi would kind of say it to each other. So we say the things that we're grateful for that we have and the things that also that we're grateful for that we want to have, but saying it as if we already have it. And everything that we have now and everything that we will say we had before that we achieved, I would say it really helped us frame our mind into creating the life that we live now. This idea feels incredible. What do you think really is happening that actually made that reality? Well, I believe as woo-woo was a made sound and stuff like that, but you can, there's a lot of scientific uh, stu- studies done by this, but your brain is a very powerful machine. <laughs> and you have to understand that, yes, understand there's, there's some like, you know, law of attraction, all that stuff, secret stuff. Per, like, it's cool, but it's, it's just a starting thing. For us, what it enabled us to do, especially when we do it in the morning, it really set our mind and created overall kind of a, a point of reference of where we need to be going towards. And the reason, for example, for saying things you're grateful for that you, as you, if you already have it, you're already making your brain in a way have a frame of reference like, hey, okay, this should be like this already. So what actions do you need to take in order to get you there? Then, of course, you have to be self-aware enough saying, okay, I'm saying that I'm grateful for that I have this amazing for example, life, this amazing car, this amazing relationship, this amazing business, and we travel all the time, but how do I actually make it real? What steps do I take to make it a reality? And then you get to work. So, so I guess it's, it's in a way of, like it's, it's not just pure magic. I think it's just a way of you communicate to yourself what you want to achieve, and then you kind of subconsciously start then working things out of, 
hey, what are the steps I need to take in order to get it? It's interesting. Have you ever heard about the studies they've done about people that tell their goals to people? And it's kind of the opposite effect of accountability, where the more they talk about the goal, the more they feel the sense of fulfillment, like they've already achieved the goal, which means counterintuitively, the less they do to actually make it happen. Have you ever heard about that study? I think I had. I guess maybe it worked out in, in a different way for us. So <laughs> Right? I know. It's interesting to think about that, but you're not actually telling other people about it. You're feeling gratefulness. And one of the things that also came to mind with that, this kind of almost the 180 degree flip side. We had a guest who was a life coach named Brooke Castillo on the show last year, and she said this really powerful thing that if we set ourselves up to want a certain thing in our lives, what we're saying is that we are going to make a certain emotion available to ourselves when that thing comes into our lives. When it happens, we're going to feel X. So we want that thing so we can have this feeling. And she says that the truth is we're always able to feel the full emotion that we say we need to feel only when something happens in our lives. And by actually feeling that emotion now, we're actually more likely to get that thing that we want in the future that we said we couldn't have until X thing. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? I think it totally does. And I think most importantly, I would say the biggest difference between, for example, why I'm able and I say this to people all the time. The reason, let's say, Mimi or I are able to live the life that we live now is that first we have worked hard to even have a mind open enough to be able to believe that certain things are possible. Because especially coming from, you know, in an environment where, let's say, when you are around other people that don't have money or you're just raised in a very poor kind of environment, it may be hard to believe that you will ever make money or have money and you will get out of, let's say, even just even the middle class rat race, but even just especially out of poverty, right? Because it can just be tough. People don't believe it and they're naive. But the thing is, and this is from my own experience, the only reason that we're able to live the life that we live now is because we framed our mind and as you, as you said, we're able to also experience the emotion that this is possible. And yes, I can be happy. Yes, I can live a fulfilling life. Yes, I can be in an amazing relationship. Yes, I can own an incredible business, right? Once you allow and open up that possibility and for you to actually feel it in, in your, like you said, actually feel that emotion, what it feels like you don't have to worry about money or what it feels like to be in a loving, unconditional relationship, right? And like to some people, this may sound like very like new age stuff, but the thing is, if you're actually able to take yourself there and practice it on an ongoing basis, I'm grateful enough that I'm what, like 28 and so many things have already changed in my life. And if I look at it, it's only been a decade since that low point that I talked to you about. I know, it's incredible. I keep reminding myself, and I think you'll love this, and it's kind of a great succinct way of explaining what you just shared is a yogic phrase, practice in all is coming. So I keep reminding myself in my own life by practicing fully in this stage of my life, everything that I'd like to have in my future is already coming to me by fully practicing and playing and enjoying in this stage of my life right now. And it kind of sets at ease a lot of the worry or fears that 
you know, what if, what if, what if this doesn't happen? What if that happens, et cetera? But just to have confidence that by practicing fully and enjoying this chapter right now, all the rest is going to follow. Exactly. And, I, and there's also like a, a great book that I highly recommend to a friend of ours, Ryan Holiday, called Obstacles the Way. Yeah, it's a good one. Yeah. And why that book is important as well is like as you go through your journey, there will be obstacles. But the thing is, when you come across those obstacles, it's fine because you understand that's just part of the journey to your way. And I think, I think a lot of people, for example, even if they start thinking this way or even start, you know, they're like, okay, I'll try this out. And then they do it and the, and the first obstacle comes and they're like, oh, you see, this thing doesn't work. I'm going to give up. But, but the thing is, once you realize that obstacles are just part of it, and as long as you're going still towards your thing and going around your obstacles or over them, whatever it may be, and seeing them as a way that, that they're shaping you as a better person, then that's how you really are able to create the life that you really want to live. Because like I said, it hasn't been, you see, when people look at us now, they don't hear the stories of Alex sitting 40s and smoking and stuff and, and his teenage years and being involved in stuff. They don't know that. I, unless they listen to this interview and they just look at me all preppy and stuff and smiling or whatever. Like, this? <laughs> sitting in Capri. <laughs> yeah, sitting in Capri, whatever, like jet setting. They're like, oh, who is this guy? Like, what? what? He probably has some wealthy parents and, and, you know, it's all easy for him. It looks that way. It seems to look like that. <laughs> exactly. Like, it's all easy for him. Look at them. Oh, isn't that uh, so wonderful? But my life sucks. But the thing is, if you keep framing as it's you against somebody else and that feeling whether it be of jealousy of or of like when I really started reframing my mind I started seeing all the people that were doing better than me all of them as inspirations and I'll say that was probably one of my biggest shift ever that happened to me like and I'll say probably I have to thank my mother for that as well she said you know, just she just she always said like never be jealous. It's it just look at these people and see how maybe what you can learn from them. And that's why even now, what it be you know because we can always make ourselves feel dissatisfied. Somebody can look at me, let's say a billionaire, and be like, oh, Alex, dude, like he's so broke, like poor him. <laughs> Millionaire is not enough. <laughs> yeah, or I can, or I can look at the, the same thing in my situation. Like, oh my god, I'm like, look at him. Like, they have, he has a Ferrari. He has like this penthouse, or they, they, I just fly coach. They fly business, or they fly first, or they fly private, or they have this thing that I don't have, right? But the thing is, you have to be self-aware enough. Number one is like, do you actually want those things? Because I, I think that's another important reference point to bring up. Do you actually want that life? Is it really that those things, if they're things, or is it really those experiences that you seek? What is it? And then you say, okay, I do like the certain lifestyle or how they lead their lives. I want the same. Then you start digging. Then you start finding out, you know, what do they do? What's their backstory? Or maybe other people that are similar to them. And then you kind of deconstruct her and figure it out. I would love for you to share some of the obstacles since you made the shift in the last 10 years that could have derailed you or someone else looking at it as, oh, that's a sign that it's not supposed to happen, but you got through it anyways. Yeah, let's, say, let's, let's go even to our relationship with Mimi, uh, with um, you know now my beautiful partner, my wife, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> but you know that relationship didn't really start in a way of, 
hey, let's, we like each other, we have a spark, and let's just be happy and create this new life together. So the way Mimi and I met, we worked at a bank together. And at first, I thought she was way out of my league because she was a year older. I was just, I, was really, I think when I joined, I was like 19 uh, or even 18. I think I was 19. And she was, so she was, she was a year older. And you think, you know, girls then, they, they want older guys, guys with money and all that stuff. And I'm like, oh, man, I'm just starting out. I'm like just this account manager here at a bank at a retail level. I'm making like, I don't know, 14 bucks an hour. <laughs> she probably wants guys who are like who are set and made. You know, all uh, so right away it's natural to us to start saying why we can't have something or why we, we don't deserve it. So that was the same thing with me. And then we kind of just became friends, just be, being co-workers. And then we started kind of just talking and sharing a life story and seeing how wow, we're so similar. We really have so much in common and we really get along. It's, it's, it's really great. This is a great person. And I, I kind of, in a way, started you know, falling in love. And then she also opened up herself in a way of like showing that she's also open to a relationship and she's kind of interested in me as well. But as you can see, she was, she was showing me signs all along many times. But because I didn't believe it, I didn't even see those signs. So the same thing can be said, for example, even let's say you and wanting to have your own business or wanting to have money. There are many opportunities that can be knocking on your door. But if you don't, in the first place, believe that it's even possible, you're, you won't be able to even comprehend or, or see these opportunities. As I, for example, wasn't doing with Mimi. So Mimi was totally open. And she was actually the first one to kind of say, hey, um, because she was leaving to Azerbaijan, uh, she wanted to move back home. And she kind of asked me out. She said, hey, I want to really want to go ice skating. Um, if you can get, can get me ice skates, I'd love to, uh, like to go ice skating with you. But she challenged me. She said, would you like, like, I want to go ice skating, get, get skates, and then we can go together. So right away, I'm like, sweet. Oh, my gosh, she's actually interested. She actually like, wants to go on a date. Super. But the reason I'm saying it was an obstacle, so we went on the first date, it was beautiful, it was great, we went to this little restaurant after, we had a great conversation, everything started happening, we started dating, and then everything was going great, and then she said, no, 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 I can't do this, I'm going away, there's no point, we work together, we're friends, like, no, 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 I can't do this. So that was one of the, I'll say, the first obstacles, and a lot of people don't know, but Mimi literally rejected me like three, four times. After that, after we were together, after everything was great, but she was sabotaging kind of relationship because she was also scared because it was almost like too good to be true. We were almost like, you know, we were getting along too well. Everything was just, there was, no, there was nothing to complain about. And a lot of times when that happens, we as people and humans sometimes can create self-sabotaging situations. And as some guys may even have with her in the past, they would just give up and say, oh, okay, she said no, and that means no. But I was persistent enough in a way to say, hey, and communicate to her, we have something really good here. And I really believe just in us as a, as a couple working out. So let's pursue this. And I was really persistent in, in a way of like not pushy, just being like, hey, you know, if we can just be friends, let's just be friends. But of course, I, I was still, you know, try to go for a kiss or, <laughs> or something. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I was I was smart enough to still be in the game and still show myself in the game. So I'll say that was kind of 
one of the biggest obstacles and I'm so grateful to myself and for that persistence that I had to overcome it because because of that relationship, ever since Mimi and I came together, we were able to magnify everything else. Because I think when you, whether it be in a business partnership or in a relationship, if you really have a, a right set of really kind of energies coming together and you guys are on the same mission and you have the same vision together, then you can achieve and magnify your vision even faster. Yeah, I actually love that. And your video you guys did about your relationship was really inspiring, especially to me as I'm in this new chapter of my relationship life as well. I really found it very inspiring. Would you mind sharing the two biggest things that you believe make the biggest difference for you guys? I'll say number one, hands down, and I just touched upon it. I was saying the story. It's very important to have a common vision of a life that you want to live together. And I'll say this is the most important because so many people go into a relationship and they want different things out of life. And this is what really kind of before Mimi and same for her, I was kind of like a late bloomer, you know, and so so was she in a way. So I didn't have too many relationships. My sister would be like, look at me. She'd be like, are you gay? Like, is everything okay? Like she would literally say that. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with being gay or anything, but like I honestly wasn't. I was into girls, but because I was, I never had partners. She was kind of like making fun of me that way. It was just I didn't find a partner, and I wasn't settling for a partner that was just there, just so I can not feel that thing of being single. Because so many people go into relationships because they they are we're all scared to be alone. That's our biggest fear. Right? It's one of the biggest fears, like. You know, we come into this world alone, we're going to die alone, and if we're going to be in this life together alone, this is, this is just like suffering the whole life. But the thing is, many people, and I saw even, I was aware enough to see even then, they go into a relationship for the wrong reasons, meaning, meaning they just want to have somebody by their side so that they're not alone. But then I'm like, I really want to have a partner who is really going to be kind of who we can really build a life together and have a common vision together. And with Mimi, as we were, like I said, when we're talking as coworkers let's say, at a bank, we would share, you know, we would ask her questions so like, oh, okay, so we're like, what do you want to do, you know, like after the bank or whatever. And she'd be like, you know what, maybe I want to have a business. I love to travel. I want to travel the world, see the world. And I really saw that as well. I, I really, I, we had similar things. And that's why I, I say about having a common vision of a life because if one partner Let's say it's like, hey, I really am cool and comfortable with living in a suburb and working a regular job and like just being here with my family and that's all I want. Like I don't care to discover the world because as much as, for example, even us, we love to travel and we show that off, let's say, in our Instagram, but that doesn't mean it's the right thing for everybody. And same thing can happen in couples. One can be very extrovert, other one's like introverted. Like I don't want to do anything. I just like, I'm a homebody. I just like to be at home. And the other one's like, they need to be around people all the time. For us, we really met together where we have similar characteristics. We love to be around with people. We love hosting people. We love to have adventures. We love to discover the world. We want to have a business together. We want to create together. We, we want to be creative. So all those things really kind of matched up. And this is kind of, I would say the most important thing is, is really have a partner that you can see how you guys can become great together meaning that's the most important thing is like when Mimi and I came together we were broke we had just dreams and a vision 
but that's it. <laughs> we really didn't have anything else. Uh, Mimi had a bunch of debt. I was lucky enough that I didn't have too much debt, but we kind of joined forces to then start being partners in this journey of life. So I have a question for you on that because I love that answer, but I'm wondering if other people might also have the same question I have, so I'm going to share it. So let's say, you know, have the same vision. I, for example, even in my previous relationship, thought I had the same vision, but really we had elements in common, but not the whole picture and not even like a huge portion of the picture because obviously I'm wondering do you guys have exactly 100% the same vision or is there, I like to think of it as a Venn diagram. And what I'm exploring is how much of the overlap is, obviously everyone's going to make their decisions for different reasons, but I'm curious on what you guys think your overlap is. Is it 100% or do you guys still have some on the fringes that are just for each of you? Oh, I think that's a great question. Thank you so much for bringing it up. I think it's, it's, it's very important. I definitely agree that it's more like a Venn diagram and there's there's still individual things on the side. Because it's very also important to, like you said, is that I think it's pretty much impossible that you're completely 100 on everything in the whole vision, right? There's, there's several, there may be different things that you may want to explore or grow into. So I think even with Mimi and I, let's say, so we've been married now for almost six years. We've been together for, you know, more than eight now. We're still, I'll say, on the beginning of our journey. The, the most important thing is the overarching thing, meaning like, okay, like you say in the Venn diagram, what's the, what's the middle part? What's the ones that really match to a point? Meaning, let's say you want to be, you know, you, one, one of the biggest ones for couples, especially entrepreneur couples, if one, for example, wants to travel and travel time and the other one, for example, wants to have a career as a lawyer and they can't really travel as much, well, that can be a big problem because what can happen is if one is very adventurous and they're going off and exploring all the time and traveling all the time and the other one is always working, they're going to start living different lives, right? And there's nothing wrong with it. If you're cool, if your vision, if your central vision of a relationship doesn't uh, have that ideal of like you guys always need to be together. Because for some couples, it's totally cool that you, you guys don't need to spend so much time together. Meaning, you can be months apart and you guys are cool with it. Because some people are comfortable with it. For example, for us, with Mimi and I, we both want to be in a relationship where we're really there for each other all the time. And we get to really kind of experience and magnify the experience of life together. But I think the core thing, the core being, uh, like I said, that in that Venn diagram, has to at least match up on those kind of pivotal moments and then there may be different things that you may be exploring or doing for example like i like snowboarding and going skiing or surfing or something like that mimi's really not into it so i still do it i may do it i may say go a week to a whistler and just go hang out with my friends and she doesn't come but that's that's totally fine it doesn't really interfere but if for example if i want to do that all the time and i want to make it my career and she wants nothing to do with it then that's a problem. So am, am I getting a little bit of the sense or? Yeah, I think it's fantastic. I think this has been a huge eye-opening thing for me personally in my own life is I thought, you know, having a similar vision of home and family was 
a huge core. And though it is, there's so many other things that are important and things shifting even in that Venn diagram of where do you need the overlap and where do you not that I'm very aware of this now and going forward as I start dating and stuff like that, like to recognize, yeah, what do I need to share in the overlap and what can be on the fringes and the wings? So what's the overlap for you? I'm curious. Uh, Well, now going forward with what was always important to me, but I think I downplayed and has just become even more burning and on fire is this personal growth and journey I'm on. And literally, it's a passion for me. And I'm so grateful that I get to have conversations with people like you to talk about it on the show. So I kind of feel like in a way, this is a similar feeling for people that are pastors. So they have a personal faith that is very strong for them and important, but they also use that in their work that they do. So that personal growth for me is my quote unquote Christianity or religion. It's not a religion, but it's that core piece of me that I want to share that faith or that growth with a partner. And I want to have a partner that is cool and excited or a pastor too, if you will, in this scenario. Like I want to find someone to share that mission with. Actually, you and Mimi are huge inspirations for me personally as I go forward looking for what I'm looking for because I want to be able to own businesses and grow together. Like what you guys represent is extremely inspiring. You guys are my Tony Robbins, if you will. (laughs) As you said, you used to, you know, listen to him and get inspired by what is possible from what he shared. You guys represent that for me in a lot of ways because that's kind of what I've always wanted. I just kind of tucked it under the rug at the time when I you know, years ago, I was a jewelry designer who wanted to do this stuff. Now I'm actually doing it. And I just can't wait to hopefully find a partner that will share in it with me. I am sure you will, uh, because you're already on that journey. But I think you, you brought in such an important element. I think the personal growth element is so huge. Meaning, like you, exactly as you said, if one partner is really into personal growth, and the other one has like nothing to do with it and like makes fun of you for doing it, that's a huge thing that's not going to work out. It's, it's, it's a big no-no. So, for example, with Mimi, and, and not to say, for example, that you, you can start out where you meet a, another person, they're already in it. it. It doesn't have to be like that. For example, before I met Mimi, she just read like, I don't know, she's, she would just read mostly like, uh, you know, just like Paulo Coelho maybe, but it would just be like storybooks. It wouldn't be really like self-growth or personal. She didn't hear of Tony Robbins before. And I softly introduced her to some of those things. And I say, hey, you know, like, for example, you know, I did this program by Tony. And uh, like, let's say, get the edge. And it really helped me out. Like, hey, do you want to check it out? And she'd be like, yeah, sure. Like, I'm open to it. So she was just open-minded to kind of my world of, let's say, personal growth. And she was open to it as well. As we went through it, she kind of opened up more to it. And she liked and explored and then had kind of, then she was on her own path. But the most important, I guess, element of that relationship is finding a partner who's open-minded for feedback. And they are, they really have, it really goes back to, like you said, is, is that person going to have a fixed mindset or a growth mindset? If an individual is a growth mindset, meaning they're, they're open to growing and understand that, hey, um, I can learn from other people and can grow, that's all you need. Because then they'll be open to you, for example, suggesting books or, hey, you want to check this out for me, uh, with me, let's say you, you go to some event or you go travel somewhere. But the biggest really difference is that, is it individual growth mindset it, or are they just a fixed mindset where they think like, no, I know everything and I don't need books or I don't need other people to tell me what to do. I know everything. 
like that'll be a, a huge no, like just collision overall in the relationship if that's important to you like you said so i think that's a very important point yeah and i think this is individual for everyone so even if you look at it from a religious context there are people that have different interfaith relationships that thrive there are some that aren't and there are people that of all levels on the spectrum based on their specific values so it's definitely individualized and it's not to say you have to be equally into it or not and it's not to say even that you have to be the person if they're completely closed off is terrible. It depends on everyone's individual thing. But yeah, for me now, I recognize that is the core center for me. Yes, I want to have a house uh, that I love and I want to be able to have a family in some form, though now I'm even being much more open-minded with what form the family with children takes than I was before, recognizing how important this core, the personal growth is for me more than just particularly having children, like having children with someone that shares that faith, if you will, if it's called faith. I don't know. It's it's crazy. And also, like I said, I'm professionally doing this too. So that's like a pastor. It's not just the the personal side of this. And then I do something else with 40 hours a week. It's kind of all intertwined, which I'm loving. I just would love to share that too. So thank you for inspiring me. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, thank you for also just even saying that because I think everything we do, and like I said, that's why we really put ourselves out there in a way. It's like people are like, why do you do that? Like, why do you even make videos or post videos? We really do with, th with that intent because really we're able to be here with Mimi because other people before us ha have done it. Or even let's say the example of a relationship, I'll be honest, I haven't seen too many. Like even it's, it's sad that in our society, we see a lot of strong individuals. Let's say one person and a couple will be like, you know, the one who's, but there's not too many couples who are great examples of like, you know, who are, who they're both in their way independent and doing great things or in a way of also supporting each other. Because even with Mimi and I, we really, I think what makes things work, we really support each other in our kind of, even whether it be personal growth or business growth or whatever it might be, we're really there for each other. And I really believe the thing is, I can personally say to you here, it's possible and it's amazing one of the biggest questions that I get all the time, how do you do it? Like, how do you work with your wife, dude? But the thing is, it's one of the greatest things ever. We get to, like, if you really put how much time Mimi and I have spent, so even though we'll say we've been together in a relationship for, let's say, eight years, we met at work, we, we work together now, so the hours are, like, if you have, like, a kind of a counter for how many actual face-to-face -face hours that me and Mimi get, it's, like, it's off the charts. We're probably like in a like a thirty year relationship. Right now. <laughs> a lot of couples they'll go to work together. They'll see each other maybe like for a few hours at night if they're lucky, right? But here we are. We get to wake up together, go to sleep together, do stuff together, travel together, work together, and it, we're not sick of each other. The other part of also what's important is that uh, you know they all, they say like. And Mimi's actually writing a book about this, which is really exciting. I'm super excited about it. Uh, for people that want to check it out, depending on when you hear the episode, it's called uh, thebingotheory.com. So you can check it out. The book is going to be called The Bingo Theory. And it really talks about this, how, you know, a lot of times they say opposites attract. But it's not opposite like we're talking about. You can't have opposite, like, total opposite core values. You know, it, it just, I'm sure you can make it happen. But the reason our relationship is effortless is because we have different opposite strengths 
that help us together. But we don't have opposite personalities, opposite values, all that is aligned. But we just have different things of different kind of, I, 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 don't, I don't want to reveal it because it's going to be in a book and she's writing about it. it. But it's really how there's different strengths of individuals that we have and how we put that together and which will allow people to really thrive and help, for example, the other partner bring out, uh, there are certain things that, for example, I bring out of Mimi and there are certain things that Mimi will bring out of me for the good. And those are really good. And sometimes, if for, for example, if you're in the same kind of, if you have the same kind of strengths, then you might have this battle or these confrontations or things that will happen. But the book will really go in, into depth, a lot of this energy and stuff. Actually, I have a question on the relationship since we're here. So I've been watching you guys every breakfast and now you both are vlogging. So there is someone recording something, it seems, almost every day now. And it's funny because you guys surprise each other with the camera. So someone will be cooking. You're like, oh, you're filming right now. So I would love to know, and I'm sure others might be wondering, how do you guys navigate the screen time you guys are recording versus not recording? What do you mean by that? Um, do you guys ever have specific aspects or areas of your lives you guys personally choose not to? I'm just wondering if there's ever been a fight started because someone's vlogging while the other person doesn't want to be vlogging. Does that make sense? Do you guys ever get annoyed at the, the vlogging of the other person when you're not wanting to be videotaped? I think when I made the decision to start vlogging, because this is recently, right? Yeah. Mimi kind of freaked out because she's like, why are you like filming, right? And I'm like, you know what? I just, I, I, I have this urge to start to do this because uh, I think there's a lot of benefits to actually seeing people live their lives because a lot of my previous videos, I would just, you know, I'll just, uh, it'll, they'll be more kind of like motivational, inspirational. So I would just kind of, I have an idea and I would want to explore it. I'll just sit down and, and talk, for example, how to be more productive, right? Or how to achieve your dreams or something like that. And what I, what I felt in some people I got, and like I was really kind of just there, to some, it may, it may seem like very preachy. You know, a lot of people, what I find is, sadly, I'm the type of person, I go out and find these people. But a lot of people, they don't want to find people that will tell them what to do. Instead, when you see people in their daily lives and in daily actions and their little small little gestures that they do and the little things they say throughout the day can actually have more impact through the story than actually being told directly what to do. <laughs> so, but going back to your question is, with the screen time. So I began, she's like, are you like, you know, like, because I'm, I'm very kind of, I like to also talk a lot and just share and documents and stuff like that. And then I said, I just feel like it. And at first she was actually, she was like, you know, I don't know. I don't know about this. And I said, well, just kind of, let me just try it out. She's like, cool. Try it out. See how it works. And then she was actually in a way she was inspired to start vlogging more as well. I know. I just saw you sleeping in the bedroom while she was talking at night <laughs> on after the dinner party video. All right. Do you guys ever get annoyed at the other person filming or no? You just know it comes with the territory. But I think we because we all know when we're filming, we know what the purpose of that filming is. Meaning, honestly, we film when we film. We really want to do our best to try to communicate certain points that will enable and help other people along on their journey. So for example, if Mimi has something to say while I'm trying to sleep in our bed, sometimes you just have those moments where you're like, you know what, I really feel like I need to express. I'll be honest, 
watching our vlogs, whether it be Mimi's or mine, I was thinking about this the other day, you're able to get to know a person, uh, you're really able to get to know a person really well, if they're being, of course, honest and authentic in, in their communication. And with us, like I said, it's really that mutual understanding that, hey, I really, I'm doing this really to help others and also help myself to communicate some stuff. Because I think our, one of the tips for people even who want to film videos or want to create videos, and this is something I keep reminding myself, I'm filming videos for myself. Meaning, it's, in a way, it's like, it's like a personal therapy. It allows me to communicate and talk about certain issues that may be on my head and kind of really get it out there. And also, I always have a certain person in mind when I'm creating my content. So for me, it's, it's like a younger version of myself. It's Alex when he was 17 and he didn't know anything, right? And maybe if he saw Alex when he's 28 and his relationship and having his businesses, he will to say, hey, wow, cool, this dude is actually doing it. He's actually letting me know that I can do the same. Hey, I can actually follow his steps and, and do the same thing. But that's kind of a, a long-winded answer, but it's really mutual respect and benefit understanding that we do it for the benefit of ourselves and for others. And I think that when I started doing it, there was some conflict, but just more understand like, how often are you going to do this? Is it okay? But we usually still have a good intuitive sense, like when's a raw moment to do something, right? Or when, when is this private and we should just talk about it? So it's on an intuitive level, but for most things are, most things go. <laughs> yeah, I've been finding it fascinating. And I think you even find out even more having seen you both vlogging, you find even more out about the other person when they're not holding the camera. The person who's not recording the vlog I think you find out more about them and the other person's vlog, if that makes sense. I know. I, I actually think Mimi, Mimi and I also joke. We're like, Mimi is kind of, and there's a different side, of course, but I'm just like, I'm like, on my channel, you get to see more of like an uncensored version of me. Yes, you do. You, she's not saying, hello, my beautiful friends. Yeah, she's different, but it's awesome. And it's so, you really start to feel like you know the people in a whole different way than, you know, like you said, if you're just sitting in front of a screen and recording on a specific subject and that's it. Yeah. Cause even for us, like I think that the most important thing for people to understand is just even where it be for Mimi or for me, the reason we even put out videos or we record is as I said, why it's a personal therapy. You get to learn so much about yourself. And I always talk about to be truly successful, whether it be in life or on video or on audio <laughs> or in blogging or writing. It's all about, it really comes down to your authenticity. You know, that's the most important aspect. If you're able to bring out your most authentic self. But the thing is, even in myself, getting to that point of authenticity, you need to, when you record yourself and you're able to see yourself and you're also able to see how other people respond to you being maybe you or not you, you're able to really, you have, you're, you, you have really quick feedback on, hey, am I really being myself or am I not being myself? And how can I get to that place where I feel really comfortable with myself and other people can sense it as well that I'm actually truly being myself. Yeah, I never thought about the self-reflection that goes into vlogging because you are literally seeing yourself from a camera. What It's not just in your head how you believe you're acting in the world. You're able to see how you're acting in the world from a third person's perspective 
that the camera provides. That's fantastic. <laughs> exactly. Or creepy, I guess, depending on the person and how much they want to know about themselves. You've actually inspired me. I think I'm going to start a vlog as well. You guys doing your combo vlogging has really started to get me into the idea of doing it. I dread the amount of editing that goes into it, knowing how much I put into this show, but... <laughs> well, like uh, for me, for my, for example, also vlogs, I knew like we have a lot of things on the go. I, ha I do have an editor who does it for me. Mimi does as well. Mimi has an in-house editor, so we have an editor who actually, you know, works with us. Mine is actually out of Toronto. And of course, like I love to edit all my stuff, but as you said, it is very time consuming. And like, is it always done to my, for example, the edits or the cuts done to my liking? Of course not. But I think part of also being an entrepreneur, or even just growing up, you have to let go of control. <laughs> so it's something that I'm, I'm practicing as well. So, so my recommendation to you is like, you can use even things like, you know, Upwork or things like that. That's how I actually found my uh, editor and, you know, we're able to communicate well. Once you find a person that is able to, in a way, capture your style, I actually was lucky enough to, when I was in Toronto, to spend a day with him and show him how I edit and what I do and here are some of my inspirations. And now we work together very well. Alex, I could talk to you for like days. So I know, I know. All right. I'm really enjoying this. I know. Yeah. Here's the question. Have I earned your trust to do another episode where we talk about the productivity planner instead of trying to do it all tonight for you? Yeah, for sure. Let's do it. Good. All right. Let's do productivity, 500 journal, whatever. Yeah, we'll talk about the journal and the planner next time. But for now, let's wrap with, because I think this is a perfect way to head off the 2016 year, just talking about what you've shared today and showing how much transformation is possible, even as with as something as powerful and simple as doing that gratitude walk. So I think this is going to be a great way to kick off the year. You've really inspired me. I'm ready to get going. So before we end, let's ask the last two questions. What doubts or internal resistance are you currently facing in your life right now? I'll say right now it's really my... Because I previously mentioned, we were just talk, talking about letting go of control. And I think being, especially being on an entrepreneur and being on this journey, it's really about, in order for me to, now I have new visions and new life that I want to build for myself. For me to get there, I have to let go of that control for sometimes things being 100% to my way. So I, I think I recently heard somebody or somebody says it was like, if somebody can do something that you do at 80% of the way that you do it for cheaper than you do it, then you shouldn't be doing it. Yeah. And this is something that I'm currently, I guess, the biggest resistance that I have right now is kind of hiring more people, letting go of control, giving them more charge, whether it be of even some businesses or divisions or, or leading up certain projects that will, will allow us to really create all the wonderful ideas that are in our heads and that need to be born, but we need the kind of course, the support system to make it happen. What would you tell someone who's just starting out on this journey? I think the overall theme of this episode that I was talking about is really believe. Don't be skeptical. I think so many people live lives that, you know, that they just settle for because people told them, you know, get realistic, get back on the ground. You live in whatever small city in Iowa and you're not going to get out of here. And this is how we all are. And this is your part of us, whether it be family, friends or anybody else saying. But if you in your heart, in, in your mind or whatever it is in your body, feel like you're destined for something else or you want to create a certain different life then it's really onto you to start taking that action 
And but most importantly, start believing that it is possible and then go out seeking mentors, not even real. Most of my mentors that I've had along my journey, they're all virtual, whether it be through listening to podcasts like these, which I do on a daily basis, or whether it be reading books or reading certain blogs or watching certain YouTube videos, go out and seek kind of mentors that will prove to you that this is possible. It always boggles my mind how much abundance really exists in the world, meaning abundance of knowledge, of information, abundance of people wanting to help you. Even, let's say, even through my channel, you can go to my channel. I go out and share this stuff because I really want people to know. Same thing for your podcast. I'm sure people come on here, and like, like myself, when they share, they're like, this is how I do things. But a lot of people don't, like, it all fails for people when they don't believe. And that's why my kind of biggest tip for anybody starting out or even ongoing is to believe, keep believing, and keep taking actions towards making that belief true. Alex, it's beautiful. You are so inspiring, and I'm so glad I finally got to have you on the show to round out the UJ, Mimi, and Alex trio. <laughs> Thank you so much for kicking off 2016 with us. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much. And there you have it. Thank you so much for listening. And Alex, thank you for coming on the show today and again soon. If you'd like to send Alex a message, you can do so over on Instagram at Alex Icon, I-K-O-N-N. And if you'd like to send me a message on Instagram, Snapchat, or Twitter, you can do so over at Jess, C as in cold, lively. I don't know if you could tell, but I have been fighting a cold in this intro and outro, so I'm hoping it hasn't been too noticeable. For show notes, go over as always to justlively.com slash Alex Icon. Before I share who's coming up next week on the show, let's talk with today's sponsor, Allison Schaff, about PrepDish.com. Allison, thank you so much for coming on the show again. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's great to have you back. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. By background, I am a chef as well as a dietitian. I'm based in Austin, Texas, and I'm also a newlywed. I just got married this past June. That's fantastic. And you're also the founder of PrepDish.com. What inspired you to start PrepDish? Well, I started out as a personal chef and I found that so many people were struggling with finding enough time to get healthy food on the table. And as my business got busier, I was one of those people. So I started prepping all my meals ahead of time. That way I would have food waiting for me when I got home after a busy day of cooking. After doing this process, I realized it was something that I needed to share with the rest of the world. So how does it actually work for someone who subscribes? Yeah, so each week I send out an email, and in that email there's a link to a downloadable PDF. The PDF is three pieces. First, it's an organized grocery list divided out by departments in the grocery store, so that way you can get in and out as fast as possible. The second piece is that prep day. And that's instructions on how to spend two to three hours on Sunday afternoon doing your meal prep for the week. And then that third piece is just super simple instructions on how to get in and out of the kitchen at dinner time during the week. Fantastic. And who is PrepDish perfect for? It's perfect for someone who wants to eat healthy. They really value eating home-cooked meals that are made with whole foods but they don't have enough time. So I really aim to save people time. And there's a lot of tips and tricks beyond just using the meal plans. 
because I already have that grocery list printed out, there's folks that will order their groceries online and just have them delivered to their door. So I'm always just trying to come up with fun ways that I can save people even more time, but they're still eating tasty, healthy food. Yeah. And actually on the subject of healthy, I know you have some accommodations for people with special dietary restrictions. Yeah. So first of all, none of the foods, it's all processed food free. And then I have two options. There's a gluten-free plan and then there's also a paleo meal plan. And are the meals for every meal of the week or just certain meals of the week? No, it's four meals a week. I found that that's about realistic. Even when I was doing the prep for families, seven days a week just wasn't realistic. People have their go-to meals or they're out and on the run. So the four days a week tends to be the manageable number. That's awesome. And I know you have something special for Lively Show listeners this January. Would you mind sharing what that is? Yeah, I'm excited. In January, I'm offering 50% off the year-long subscription. So that's less than $1 a week. If people visit prepdish.com backslash lively, they can take advantage of that deal. Awesome. So in January, going to prepdish.com backslash lively gets them 50% off, which ends up being less than a dollar a week. Yes. Awesome. Thank you so much, Allison, for coming on the show today. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. And now for a sneak peek. Next week on the show, we are not going to have Brene Brown on as I have been mentioning. She's had to reschedule based on a schedule change for herself. So she'll be coming on in February. And instead, we're going to have another heavy hitting author, Tara Moore, the author of Playing Big. She's going to be sharing about overcoming the urges we have to stay small in areas of our lives and how we can overcome that and start to play big in areas that mean the most to us. I'm so excited to share this. I think it's another great thing to think about as we're thinking about the new year and how we want to devote our time and attention. And I cannot wait to share with you then. Until then, may something wonderful happen to you today. 